0: The Morning Show yeah. The Home Team No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover.
1: Step back.
0: Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen right here on 960 the ref.com.
1: Here we are on this uh, big week, just a couple of days away as we uh, record this edition of the Crossover Podcast episode 103 to be precise. Uh, we are a few days away from Georgia and Notre Dame. Chris Brain from the home team, David Johnston from the morning show, hence the crossover podcast. And thanks to uh, our sponsor, Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and also down there in Five Points in the old Waffle House location. And uh, ate
0: there last week, Chris. So did oh, I Sunday. I'm a Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah. Uh, my wife and I ate lunch at the Watkinsville location. In fact, we've had it lunch twice there within the last like two weeks we've gone.
0: So I know it's addictive. And we were there Sunday afternoon and while we were there saw Todd Gurley score a touchdown on one screen and Nicole Hardman score a touchdown on another screen. Oh there you go.
1: Yeah. Dogs in
0: the NFL. You, it was you awesome.
1: Uh, Sony Michelle scored last week too, as did many
0: Patriots <laughs> against the Dolphins. Which I get before- I can't believe we even had the discussion about the, the point spread. Well, I
1: know, but we did. So I guess before we move on to uh, to the dogs in, in Notre Dame, I guess we do need to, to recap Basically, what we did spend a good bit of time on last week is we did have uh, you know a listener ask about... My buddy Carl. Yeah, the, uh, the Patriots minus 19, and, well, they,
0: they covered. Hey, and by the way, the NFL's outdone itself this week. They said 19-19. we got something better for you. How about the Cowboys now as a 21-point favorite against the Dolphins and the Patriots, a 22-and-a-half... Or, depending where you're shopping, maybe 23-point favorite against the Jets. Holy cow. Yeah,
1: and I, get, I wouldn't take the Jets or Dolphins anymore. No, not at I'm, this point. I'm,
0: I'm not going to play that, the the big favorite won't cover a game anymore. Yeah. I'm letting that one go.
1: Well, I was reading there's some, uh, you know, someone, like every every now and then you always read that some someone with a bunch of, of money walks into some casino and makes some ridiculous money line wager on something, which... I think it's like basically like money laundering or something. I don't know what you're doing, but you know someone's going through a divorce and you're just trying to hide some money for a little bit. Yeah. So you just make some some can't lose bet, even though you're in a return. Like I'm gonna bet two hundred thousand dollars to win a hundred dollars or something like that. But somebody has done the uh, a money line parlay on the uh, on the Cowboys and Patriots this Sunday. Uh, which will probably end up paying off but it's you know somebody went in there and wagered like you know half a million bucks to win like 500, $500 or something $100. like that I know it's yeah. like what are you doing? Which to me I'm like you're just you're like yeah you're laundering money at this point whatever you're doing you're just trying to hide it from someone and just uh, pretend you don't have it for a little while but yeah congratulations to the uh, to the patriots who won 43 nothing last week and now are some places 23 and a half you say if it, that thing gets to 24, I'll have to take the Jets. Yeah, at I don't know. what point
0: do you take the Jets? I don't know. What was the final in the Miami score? It 43? was 43 nothing. So would you take them at 40? I don't know. I'd have to think about yeah. it. Yeah. The I Patriots
1: haven't given up a touchdown since the AFC Championship game. And they might not again this week either, playing uh, Luke Falk and the, uh, the Jets. But, all right, that was last week. This is now. And uh, we've got one of the most uh, highly anticipated games in – Sanford Stadium history, I think, for sure, at least in the build-up and the lead into it, with uh, with Notre Dame making uh, their first ever trip to uh, to Athens, and uh, it's it's weird because I feel like I just don't really feel like they're much of a threat to Georgia, so I feel like Georgia's going to win, and I'm pretty confident about it. So it's 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 weird how like you're excited because it's a big game, but at the same time, I also think it's going to be a lopsided big game too. You think too. so too?
0: Yeah, it's weird how the the to me like the the face of this game has become more about everything else but the game, and I'm not sitting here saying oh because game day is coming to town that's bad or anything because I you know I, you want your team to be in the national spotlight I get that that's a good thing I'm not sitting there thinking that because game day is coming to town Notre Dame is going to win the game although Notre Dame or excuse me uh, game day is. Uh, let's see Iowa State last week and the week before. Where were they? The home team oh, is uh, Austin. Austin. The home team is zero and two with Game Day. I'm not blaming that on Game Day. I'm just saying that's what we've seen so far this year. But what I'm what I'm getting at is it's kind of weird how like the conversation this week, at least on the morning show, I don't know about with you and Jeff on the uh, on the home team, but it's more about how bad's the traffic going to be, how many people are going to be downtown the tailgating, what time are you getting here? We sure wish Georgia would let us set up our tailgates earlier. I mean, everyone's still fired up about the game, but I've never in all my years here in Athens experienced a game where you've got number three versus number seven and the talk isn't really as much about the game as it is everything around the game. And I I think
1: maybe that has to do with uh, a lot of people feeling the the way I do and just that – Yeah you know you're we're all pretty confident and comfortable with uh with Georgia and that none of us are really all that worried that Notre Dame poses much of a threat now at some point during the game on Saturday night that might change and everybody gets uh more anxious and more nervous but yeah i think i guess the build up to it is if you you really expect that Georgia's going to win the game it's it's about yeah it's it's an historic college football program that's never been here so you know you want to be there and you want to see the the gold dome helmets and win the game but yeah it is going to be more about the uh the event beforehand and surrounding it yeah. I think because I mean what I've tried to like look at Notre Dame objectively and like make a case like where where could they hurt Georgia and I I mean I think offensively they've you know, they could, they've got a chance to move the ball and score some points, but I just don't see where defensively their uh, Georgia's not going to be in a position with its its offense to do whatever it wants to do on uh, Saturday night, and that includes throwing the ball when they want to because Notre Dame, they, they don't put a lot of pressure on
0: passers either, so Fromm's going to have time to pick them apart. And, and if Georgia can move the ball on the ground, that's going to make the the passing game even more dangerous.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, that's what Georgia will. It's, they just gave up 4.6 yards of rush to New Mexico last Saturday.
0: <laughs> and even if, like, what were their number? I know their numbers weren't good against Louisville, but even if you take the Puma Pass numbers out, you know, what was the now – now, he did – there was that, that one series at the end of the first half or that sequence of plays where he fumbled and then – Notre Dame fumble, yeah. I guess Book fumbled, and he fumbled again. You know, I know there was that going on at the end of the half there, but Louisville, I think, gave them more of a game than we kind of thought they would.
1: Yeah, it was tonight. tight for a while. Yeah, yeah you know, it was Notre- tight.
0: They broke op- broke it open the second half. Yeah, But, you know, Kirby was saying, hey, I know everybody's looking at their stats for rushing and what they've allowed, but if you dig a little deeper, there were some running, ba- uh, some running plays. By the quarterback that that hurt Notre Dame a little bit, and you probably aren't going to see that kind of stuff with Jake Fromm, so that may be something to think about. Maybe I think it's Kirby just throwing that out there, you know? Yeah. To kind of.
1: I mean, they they gave up you know, yeah radar. they gave up four point six yards of carry to New Mexico. Can you explain
0: that away to me? <laughs> no one asked. No one asked him about that. Yeah. No, I, mean, I don't know. If
1: you look at last year, that would have been New Mexico's third best rushing game. That they would have allowed or had last season. Right. Since we're still early in this year, I mean, it's, you can still kind of go back and look at some of these teams' profiles from a year ago, and uh, and even with Notre Dame, like they weren't a great rushing defense last season uh, either. They were like seventy-first in stuff rate, uh, so you know they they weren't stopping a lot of runs there right at the line of scrimmage. And if Georgia gets open with its running game, I mean, Georgia should be able to just run all over them at uh, at will and again. I mean, Notre Dame might be able to put up some points and uh, and move the ball against Georgia's defense, too, because they've got an excellent offense, to be sure. But I think it's one of those deals where Georgia's got the ability to score easier than Notre Dame will. So, you know, in the end, it just becomes one of those games, I think, where maybe it doesn't happen from the get-go, but slowly I think Georgia just kind of wears them down
0: pulls away, and uh, and wins comfortably. That's what it kind of feels like to me, too. If they do what they want to do, even if it's tight in the first half, provided there's no turnovers or a, a big injury or something like that, if the dogs do what they want to do, kind of like the Clemson game a few years ago where they finally just took over in the second half with the running game, and thank goodness Clemson – didn't use Deshaun Watson as much as they could have that night also that helped I don't think Notre Dame's got a Deshaun Watson on the bench that we know of or anything like that the other thing though I did want to mention so I did a little number crunching on their roster at least the roster that's in their notes they have six players that are from the state of Georgia and they also have 16 players that are from states that touch Georgia and they also have a couple of other guys that went to IMG Academy that don't fall into that category. So, I mean, if you add all that up, that's almost 30 players – well, 25 players on their roster, which you could say is almost like a third of their roster that have Southern ties. And I know Notre Dame recruits nationally, so I get that. But Brian Kelly said earlier this week one of the reasons they scheduled this game is because the large fan base – or, excuse me, a large alumni base in this area – it's a good recruiting tool for them, and there are going to be some studs, studs that are going to be at this game. I mean, we're talking about more than 10 five-stars, probably 40 to 50 four-star guys that are going to be in attendance, and I know Notre Dame's recruiting some of those guys, too, so I didn't like they're just uh, guys that, are, that only have Georgia on their radar, but it is interesting to me that... This is a huge game for Notre Dame in that sense. And this is a weird season because Notre Dame doesn't have any neutral site games this year. All their games are either home or road. Next year, they have a game in Dublin, Ireland. They play Wake Forest in Charlotte, and they also play Wisconsin at Lambeau Field. So they'll have more of those next year. But this year, I mean, this is kind of one of their big games for them that even though it's not a neutral site, that they're using as a big recruit – not not recruiting thing, but, you know, a, a fan base, alumni base kind of thing.
1: Well, yeah, and I guess to get some exposure in this part of the country. Exactly. I, like, they've – they played Navy a few years ago in Jacksonville, yep. I think. Yep, uh, I, A couple years ago, too, they played, I want to say, Washington State, and the game was in San Antonio. They uh, played so, in San Diego. Yeah. And, yeah, so they've done stuff like that to try and spread it. But I remember – because I I got I got sucked into them in the 2012 BCS Championship game thinking they could actually be competitive against <laughs> Notre Dame or against Alabama yeah. that night and you're like what
0: was I thinking?
1: Well yeah. yeah, I mean by like the 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 third play of the game I was I was
0: going what was I thinking? Are those but, the worst <laughs> games where all right, when you got a little something extra on the game, are those the worst games where, like, you can tell by the first series you're on the wrong side? Or is it worse to get beat at the end? I think it's
1: worse to, like, just get beaten at the end yeah, by some back door or something. That's true, yeah. Because I was, like, you know, immediately you'd be like, I'm an idiot for falling into this. But, one <laughs> but of we've the, all done that. Well, of course. I mean, but one of the reasons I did was in 2012, their roster was like that, too, where, like, they're, you know, really their best players. They had a guy from Jacksonville – um, I think well Everett Golson was their quarterback that year, right? Yeah. He was from like North Carolina. Like a lot of their their premier stud players were like from the South and these states that do border right. Georgia. And it's like, well, they're Notre Dame and they're they're up north, but that roster is kind of built like one of these Southern teams. And that was part of that was part of my handicapping of that game. So well,
0: it did- <laughs> so I need to let that go then. Well, yeah, I with mean, all these Georgia and Southern players that they have. Well, it's I mean I, I mean there is something to it where it's I mean I guess if it
1: you can't just fall back on like you know well it's just one of those slow big northern teams against all these fast Southern guys it's not uh, it's not that simple because yeah they do have a lot of players from this part of the country and even their freshman safety uh, Hamilton like we wanted them. that was a recruiting yeah. battle
0: we actually. Uh, we actually lost, so... Yeah, he uh, is from the Marist School, which, by the way, they also have a guy named Marist, who's from Hawaii, and they also have a guy named Tungavaloa who's Tua's cousins. Oh, I didn't know, so yes. they got his cousin on there, His okay. cousin, Myron Tungavaloa amosa who's from Eva Beach. Is he a QB? He's a defensive lineman. Oh, all right. <laughs> he, he didn't go to the same high school as Tua. But I did look it up. He's his cousin. Okay. And they also have a um, family member at Navy as well. So they're not just at Bama. They're kind of spread out all over the country there. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting roster to kind of look at if you get a few minutes just because of where they recruit and all over the country and that kind of stuff. And they got, like, two or three guys from Hawaii, which is interesting too. But then again, maybe it's not – I mean – They've gone and played out there in the yeah. past. So yeah, even they, that's something where And the Catholic aspect of it, I can I can sort of see that too. So it doesn't, I guess, surprise me as much as that is. And by the way, Hawaii's weird having been out there a few times the last few years because of my stepson Matt, you know, having been stationed out there. The one thing I noticed every time we were out there and driving around, and we were only on Oahu, we weren't on the other islands, but the kids out there they're not kicking the soccer ball. They're not throwing the baseball. They're not, you know, really shooting basketball. They're, they throw the football. That, that seems to be the thing. But all their their uh, shirts and attire is NFL stuff. So it's not college yeah. stuff that they're locked into. It's the NFL. But that, Hawaii is a big football state. But
1: that But Probably that 7 team got them into it. one <laughs> well, we exactly. ended up whipping in the Sugar Bowl. But Colt Brennan and June Jones – I, I know, that it's weird. Because they you think, that was 07, we're in
0: 19 now, and it was 12 years 12 ago. 12 years so. ago. Those kids love football, but it's the NFL. And we were even out there for the Hawaii Bowl last year, and they were playing, eh, granted, they were playing, I think, Louisiana Tech maybe. It yeah. wasn't a marquee matchup. But I remember riding by the stadium on the day of the game, and we didn't go to the game, but there were like four tailgate tents out there. I mean, it's just nothing. Yeah, but I guarantee you, if that had been the Raiders playing an exhibition game there or something, that place would have been crazy, crazy. Yeah. Well,
1: weren't were you telling me like there's a farmers market out there that they don't cancel? (laughs) That's basically why Hawaii plays all their games at a certain time because they can't play any earlier. That big farmers market's huge. Yeah, and they're not going to cancel it for the Hawaii football game.
0: Football game. (laughs) Even Coach Diamond told told me that when the dogs were out there, you know, it was his last game when they were out there for the either back then it was either the Hawaii Bowl or the Oahu Bowl or something it was Oahu, Oahu right, Bowl we
1: played yeah
0: and he said that they had like some extra time to kill one day and he asked the players what they wanted to do they wanted to go back to that to that uh that big the big thing around the stadium Oh, the, the big farmers, farmers market. market around the stadium i mean it is kind of interesting so it's different out there but just you know they love the NFL more than they like college
1: yeah but Notre Dame is still it's still a big, powerful brand in oh, yeah. college football, and you can just get the the sense and the feeling of it around here with how excited everyone is for this uh, for this game this weekend. With
0: Notre Dame never having appeared here, and I mean, who knows if they'll ever come back? The brand thing is interesting in the sense that yes, it's Notre Dame the tradition, seven Heisman Trophy winners, but only one in the last fifty five years. Uh, Eleven consensus national championships. But they haven't won one since 1988. So, yeah, the brand is there, certainly. And they played in the championship game, like we said, a few years ago. They made the playoff last year. So it's not like they're irrelevant. But it is interesting how I'm sure their fans are kind of the same as ours. It's like, we need to stamp another Natty on here. We need to win another Heisman. We need to win another – you know, something like that. I'm not as into the individual awards. They're great, but they usually come with a good team. But yeah, winning and they can't win conference championships because they're not in one. So basically, for them, they can only tout a national championship.
1: Yeah, but they're really not the the powerhouse that they they used to be, and they haven't been for about you know since really since Lou Holtz left. You know, because then they went from Bob Davy to Willingham to Charlie Weiss. Yeah, I mean Brian Kelly's done fine there.
0: But he was almost gone.
1: Yeah, they had a four and eight, and he saved himself. And I think a big problem is, and that's part of you know, thinking about this game Saturday is they got to the BCS title game in 12 and proved that they were no match for Bama. Last year's game against Clemson proved they were no match. They made that fiesta but uh, for three, four years ago, however long it was, where they got just blasted by Ohio State. So they keep getting to these, you know, these bigger moments against these more, you know, at this point, more relevant, Uh, programs and Notre Dame is just proving over and over again that they're really no match for them
0: it's also interesting too on their notes that they tout that they have the second most wins in college football history with 920 that's what they put in their notes but technically 21 of those got taken away in 2012 and 2013 so as far as the NCAA sees it If they win Saturday, that would be the 900th win in school history, not the 921st win.
1: So is Notre Dame just like – are they ignoring the uh... according to their notes? Wow, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like just blatantly ignoring the fact that they were supposed to vacate wins.
0: If you look at the numbers, it says they have eight hundred ninety nine wins, but on their notes, they say nine hundred twenty. Yeah.
1: Well, listen, I'm in. I'm for Notre Dame acknowledging yeah. like
0: hey, no, we won
1: these games. Yeah, yeah. they happened. Yeah,
0: they can say that we committed academic fraud or whatever but the game still happened. Yeah, we played and we won those games yeah. so we're going to count them. Yeah.
1: All right, we'll take a uh, quick little break. We'll come back and uh, we'll give you a few more thoughts on the game this weekend and uh, take a look around at some of the other matchups in the SEC. It's actually a really good weekend in uh, in college uh, football with a few matchups in the uh, across the SEC and a couple other ones. You got Michigan Wisconsin in the Big 10 and then even Texas and Oklahoma State is intriguing out of the uh, the Big 12 as well it's the crossover podcast we're presented by fully loaded pizza kitchen in Watkinsville and five points as always subscribe to us on iTunes or you can listen to us anytime on demand at 960 the ref Com. True Italian food has returned to Five Points and brought some friends along because Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen is now open in Five Points, Athens. At the new Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen, you'll find all your Italian favorites from pizza to calzones and baked ziti, along with sandwiches, salads, wings, and more, plus a full bar for beer, wine, and cocktails. It's time to eat at the now open Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen at Five Points in Athens and also in the Mander's Crossing Shopping Center off March. Hill Road in Watkinsville. All right, episode one hundred and three. This is the Notre Dame edition of the Crossover Podcast, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. As the Irish visit Athens, here as uh, you're listening to this, as we're recording it anyway, in uh, just a couple days, and uh, hopefully you're listening to it before the game. If not, uh, a lot of this will be uh, old by the time you uh, you get it with uh, with the Notre Dame game, but. Uh, I think you know it goes back to what we said at the the beginning of the the podcast. I think there's just really a a sense of confidence with Georgia that the dogs are going to win the game. So this is more about the uh, the festivities surrounding the game, which includes a, another appearance by Game Day. And this is what the fifth time they've been here.
0: No, this will be the let's see, ninety eight. 2008 and 2013. Uh, so fourth, fourth, time. fourth time they'll have been here. Yes. Okay. And the dogs are one and two straight up. And I don't know. Let's see. Well, the Tennessee game, the Bama game. I don't know what the number was on the LSU game. So we're either one and two or oh and three against the spread. I think that was like a push. I think we that were like a three a point favorite. That okay. Game. And one yeah. by three. So we'll call it what? O oh, two and one. Yeah. In the uh, and one and two straight up. Yeah. For people that care about that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, it's uh it's important <laughs> to know. You
1: like you can even bet in some places on what headgear Corso will put on, on uh each game day. I, I would I'm gonna bet he's gonna put on Harry Dog's head. The point spread's too
0: high to go with Notre Dame, right? For him. He can't go Notre Dame in this game. Well oh, I guess he could, but he could, but he won't. It's He'll, not like this is uh like a two point or a three point line. He did pick LSU in week one. I didn't see did he go with Iowa last week? I can't remember. I didn't even see last Yeah. Week, but he did put that LSU Tiger head on because yeah. Matthew
1: McConaughey then <laughs> ripped it off his head. <laughs> Wait, have, has there been any uh, hints at who the celebrity guest picker will be? Yes, there have been. Okay. Ric
0: Flair. Oh, all right. Okay. That's, that's what I've heard. Oh, you've actually actually heard... I've actually – I mean, I'm not saying I know that. Are we I don't confirming know a... this? No, 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 oh, no. okay. No. I've just had people say, oh, I'm hearing Ric Flair. I was like, oh, Okay. Yeah, all right, but I don't know that that's true or not. That's, a, that's just what I've heard. Okay, but if you wanted to spec, and then, um well, the Undertaker was in Austin
1: two weeks ago. He wasn't the celebrity picker, but he but made he an appearance.
0: There. Yeah, apparently Ryan Seacrest on oh. his TV show had said that he had been contacted, but he has conflicts. Okay, thank so goodness. He- he ruled out that he's not coming.
1: That'd be embarrassing for us. <laughs> like Texas had Matthew McConaughey two weeks ago, and we'd roll out with Seacrest.
0: <laughs> I'll say this. I about mean, the guy's C. a huge name. He, I he get does it. he does rep the G pretty good he's on cheesy, his show. Though. Yeah, yeah, but he's I, we'd be we should do Isner. Isner would be great. Yeah,
1: Herschel. No one reps it Georgia like Isner does. Yeah. and he does it across the
0: world. We've had this debate before about who is Georgia's most current, like, like worldwide, not just in the United States. Is it Isner's is at it Bubba? It's one of those two that is, is like, not necessarily popular, but just known yeah, around the world. I mean,
1: Bubba's been more successful in his sport, right. but Bubba hadn't. I mean, it's like the last two
0: golf seasons. Does Bubba even still play? Yeah, he didn't have a – He last year was good. This year he came back down to earth again. It seems like he's been kind of up and down. Yeah. But, yeah, with him, that's why I expect coming up this year he'll have another good year. But they're both internationally known. Bubba's won two Masters. But, you know, Isner, that's a big tennis name. You yeah. could maybe argue either one. Yeah. I mean, you feel, Isner
1: every year is showing up in uh, Melbourne. He didn't play the French this year because he was hurt. But, you know, pretty much every year in right. Paris and then London yeah. for the majors. and. Yeah, I mean it's—I don't know—it's one of them. But one of the, those one are the—it's the it, one of those
0: two. Yeah. yeah. So, but for the United States in college football and the NFL, and you could roll out Herschel. I was trying to think when they who have been the the guest pickers when they've been here before. I don't know that they did that. Did, it it's, Was Bubba it seems one, like one a, time, wasn't it, with the guy from Duck Dynasty? Oh, really? I believe because that seems like a that a was the LSU recent thing where they have a guest. Yeah. Picker. I don't remember Alabama or even the Tennessee game 21 years ago. Yeah. Other than the fact that they were set up on the Tate Center roof. The, the, I remember that.
1: And then, like, uh, Corso calling Ugga an ugly mutt. Or maybe he didn't say mutt, but he
0: called it an ugly dog. Yeah. I remember that, hey, too. what's wrong with you, Corso? Yeah. Hey, don't make me push you off this roof. I know. You know, here's the funny thing. I'll, I'll tell a quick little story about Corso. Because... I don't, you see him now, and he's kind of, you know, obviously he's. Yeah, he's had, a stroke, 80s, right? he's had a stroke. He kind of comes on people, kind of, just kind of, I don't want to say make fun of him, but, you know, it's like, hey, the old man needs to retire this and, and all that. And you can tell watching him, Kurt Curb Street is very, very fond of Corso. You know, it's oh, almost yeah. like his dad. And I get it, too. So this was back in the early 90s at the touchdown club Corso was, I believe the keynote speaker back then we would, they would have a media table like up the front, you know, like really good tables. And, and I would record the, the whole show or the show, the whole, uh, the whole event. And then, you know, the next morning for, we didn't have the talk show, but we had morning sports and I would use a lot of the sound bites during my sports casts. And that night Corso they was at the media table, and the, they didn't really have like a head table, or I don't remember what it was, but for some reason, I ended up sitting next to Corso, and this was like in ninety. this had to be early 90s, and let me tell you this, he couldn't have been any nicer, he was sharp as a tack, he was, I mean, everything he said about Georgia was, was good, and of course, he's in Athens, but... That's the memory of course, that I have, and he was such a such a great guy. And I know it's a little bit different now, but I always try to tell people that it's like I I see what you say about him now. But the guy, you know, he was a he was the head coach at Indiana, and he played at Florida State. And I don't was he a head coach anywhere else? I'm trying I only really know the As Indiana part. The TV part. stuff, yeah. But the guy, I mean, it's just what you see now is not what it used to be. But I I love him. He was, and maybe it's just because I'm. Just because I'm biased because of that one night, but he was s- such a great guy. No,
1: I mean I don't like I can't even believe there are people that would have a problem with him being on there. Like he's on a couple segments, yeah, and you could tell like he's he's got notes and he's reading and stuff, but
0: he's fine. He's been a good ambassador. Exactly. For- That's what I see too about people when they when they hate on Dick Vitale. It's like okay, I get it. He I can see where he could wear thin on you, but if you love college basketball. How can you not like He's him? been a good promoter He's of the sport. He's V and all that stuff. I yeah. mean, I get it. But he loves college basketball. And that's how Corso is. I mean, he loves college football. He lo- I mean, Maybe that game day show is what keeps him going. Yeah. You know? And
1: none of those guys take themselves too seriously
0: on that show, exactly. which is what I like about yeah. it, too. And Pollock's done... He does a good job with that show. Now, is he picking Georgia this <laughs> week, or is he going to take Notre Dame? He's going to have a hard time living that one down, isn't he? But he does a great job. Maria does a great job. So... The University of Georgia has a great representation on that show, and that show is the number one show about college football. Easily. So I'm glad that yeah. we've got Georgia representation on
1: Yeah, there. no, and uh, not going to be topped even as hard as Fox has tried by adding Urban Meyer and Reggie Bush <laughs> to their dais.
0: Like, okay, really, I'm going to switch over. about the next coach at Florida State, Urban yeah. Meyer? Or, uh, you know, USC or, or USC. wherever. Yeah. yeah, that guy. Yes Urban. or no, Chris? Has Urban Meyer coached his final college game? No, I don't think so
1: either. No. Like the, the thing he said earlier in the week about, yeah, I'm not coming back this year, or whatever. But I'll I'll look into it next next off season yeah. and yeah. like, okay, you'll come back. You'll be out there somewhere, uh, yeah, at some point. All right. Uh, final thoughts on Georgia Notre Dame. The uh, the score that I've got s- swirling in my head right now: Georgia 36, Notre Dame 18. The dog's just doubling them
0: up. Wow. Okay. And an easy cover. I'm in that neighborhood, but I'm somewhere like 41. I uh, see like 40, nah, like 31 to 20. It's going to be 31 13 late in the game, and Notre Dame's going to get a backdoor cover oh, to break our hearts. Don't do that. Not, not at Dooley <laughs> Field in Sanford Stadium. <laughs> Maybe that's just I've been a Georgia fan for way too long. I can't even enjoy the win because there's going to be a backdoor come. Yeah.
1: Well, Kirby's got to know the number and make sure that doesn't <laughs> happen.
0: He's got to take care of his fans. <laughs> hey, Chris, I also want to give a, a shout-out to a uh, one of the guys who listens to the, uh, to the podcast every week, and he's in Cartersville, John. And uh, on Twitter, he's blind-running Braves fan. And um, he is training, or I know he's working. I don't know if he's actually, I mean how many marathons he's run, but he listens. I know he listens to a lot of podcasts, but he listens to us when he's out running. And uh, I just wanted to let him know, and I know you did too, that we appreciate him listening to us. And apparently, his last run with us was right on the number for we were about thirty seven minutes long, and that was about his run, too. So, I do appreciate that, and uh, I got friends over in Cartersville too, so I love everybody over in Bartow County, but good to see our man, John. And I think he – when he was younger, and maybe someone else, but I think – and, John, you can let us know if I'm wrong here – that he he lived over in Oglethorpe County, and they used to come over and see Georgia baseball games, and I believe we met him – with uh with his dad when uh when he was younger to come see georgia baseball games I'm, and, if, and if that's the wrong person i apologize but we do appreciate anyone listening to us and if you're out with us on your run thank you very much
1: yeah we appreciate y'all and uh, as always you can get us easy just subscribe to us on itunes and whenever we post a new episode we'll uh, show up we'll we'll come to you or you can do it at your leisure anytime online at the uh, website 960theref.com and just uh, click on demand and then click the crossover podcast and the episode will be right there
0: waiting on you. So there you go. Two cold beers and a home team pizza. It's what I had Sunday afternoon watching Todd Gurley And Miko Hardman score touchdowns. Now, when I've been to lunch there,
1: I don't get the cold beers, but, and I'm pretty boring when it comes to pizza, so it's like cheese, some green peppers, some tomatoes, but I also, I did order a basket of fries one time, too. How are
0: they? Awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they
1: do they do fries well. Nice. There. So yeah, fully nice. loaded pizza kitchen. Go check them out in Watkinsville or the uh, the still new location in the old Waffle House building in Five Points. We'll be back next week to recap. Hopefully a, a big Georgia win against the Irish, and then well it'll be an off week next Saturday for the uh, for the Bulldogs. Uh, For Dave, I'm Chris. This has been Episode 103, the Crossover Podcast, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen here on 960theref.com.
0: You've been listening to The Crossover, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen on 960theref.com.